You're listening to Victory by Association with Jeff Tippett, international speaker, best-selling author, and entrepreneur. This is the podcast exclusively for association executives and members. Each week, Jeff interviews association executives about their victories, igniting new ideas for you to create greater value for your members. And now, Jeff Tippett. Hello, everyone. I'm Jeff Tippett. I'm grateful that you've joined us for today's episode of Victory by Association. Today's show is brought to you by Persuasion Publishers. Persuasion Publishers disrupts the traditional model of publishing. We empower you to get your story from idea to bookshelf in just two months with a high-quality product at an affordable cost. Learn more at PersuasionPublishers.com and check out our show notes for the link. Today, I'm excited to welcome our guest, Sean Reed. Sean, how are you doing? I'm great, Jeff. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being on the show and taking a few minutes to chat with me and um, create some great content here for our audience. Well, if you will start by just giving me some general, you know, the 30,000 uh, foot view of your association work and, and what you've done in the past. Sure. So I'm, I'm uh, vice president with the Progressive Contractors Association of Canada. So we're, as the name in, implies, we're a Canadian association of construction employers um, in the alternative unionized space. So that's, those are unionized companies, but not with the traditional building trades uh, unions. And we're, we operate uh, from Ontario, Canada, all the way to the, through the West Coast. Um, we're about a 20-year-old uh, organization. And I actually joined the company, uh, the organization, uh, 10 years ago. I actually founded the Ontario operations uh, of the organization and, and have been uh, looking after the Eastern Canada operations of PCA since then. That's fantastic. Well, I had the privilege about two months ago to head up to Canada and speak in Toronto for um, it was the Energy Conservation Group. And it was amazing mm -hmm. time. Beautiful city. Had a fantastic time there. Well, if you don't mind, tell us something here unique about you, something that people wouldn't find on your LinkedIn profile, but might be of interest. About, about me personally, well, um, I am a communications uh, practitioner uh, by, by training. And, and uh, years ago, I wrote a speech for uh, the Queen of England, uh, also the Queen of Canada, uh, Queen Elizabeth II, <clears throat> and she came out. She was coming over here for it was this is in the in the late 90s, and she was coming here for uh, a visit to Newfoundland, the province of Newfoundland. And uh, I wrote a speech for her uh, when I was working for the government of Canada at the time. And uh, I think a newspaper reporter wrote on that speech and and said something like, uh, "It was appropriately royal in that it said absolutely nothing." <laughs> but what an what an honor that is fantastic sean I, I'm in, I come from a communications background as well so i'm like in awe of your work here that's fantastic <laughs> well talk you. to me a little bit about like a, a particular victory uh, association or success that that you guys have gone through and just kind of give us the, the high level concept <clears throat> of what all is that you've done yeah, we there's. I'll just highlight um, 
you know, as I think about it, uh, if you don't mind, I'll highlight two uh, two uh, wins really for our association. The first is one is an internal win. The other one is is an external win. The first, the internal win. So, in two back in 2012, we were already you know a, a, about a 12 year old organization at that time. Um, our we, our national president. We just got a new national president, all the young coming about a year before that. And um, the organization was ticking along okay, but just okay. And um, we, he and I were, uh, you know, the, the kind of leaders, co-leaders of that organization at the time and, and um, really wanted to take the way that we ran the organization to another level. And so we brought in a new opera- operational performance uh, process and strategic planning process into the organization that really um, enabled us to uh, cast a much bigger vision for the organization, but then importantly, to align uh, our strategy with our execution in a really cohesive and consistent way. And uh, that, that effort um, actually resulted in us doubling the revenue of our organization and the growth, the overall size of the organization over the course of three years from 20, 2012 to 2015, we, we doubled the size of the organization. So that was a, a radically important um, uh, internal initiative and win for the organization. Well, the let's, other, let's, the other, let's pause there. Yeah, sure. we, Go let, ahead. Let's drill down and then we'll hit your next one. Cause this is <clears> like, I'm, <throat> well, my, sure. my, my draw, my jaw dropped uh, when you said all this, it's fantastic. So um, my first question, like hearing you tell the story, uh, and this is kind of based on a, a podcast interview I did a couple of weeks ago, interviewing someone and their association just hit rock bottom and they had to redo the entire organization. What was the, the genesis or what was the catalyst for you guys making this strategic decision to go in this direction? Was there a pain point? Was there a pressure? Was something happening or was it just foresight or what was going on? How did you make the decision, first of all? I think that the main thing that was going on, uh, at least from my perspective at the time, was, you know, there, we, we were performing fine, um, but we weren't performing with a lot of intentionality. Hmm. And, you know, it was almost like we were performing okay, all, not, you know, not meaning to disrespect ourselves or the folks that came before us, but, you know, a little bit by accident, um, you know, like they're just, you know, the budgeting process was a little bit of a, you know, you know, stick the thumb up in the air, see which way the wind's going, kind of take a stab at it. Um, you know, a lot of reacting to different scenarios and just just not feeling like we really had direction, you know, control over the direction of the organization the way we wanted to and control over our destiny. And so we just kind of got restless about that and wanted to put a, a different um you know, wanted to put a different stamp on things and a different, take a different approach that was more intentional and more focused. And that was really, you know, that was at the root of what we wanted to do and, and, and why we did it. Talk to me a little bit about, and that's fantastic. Um, talk to me a little bit about the members and the membership and, and how you conveyed this to the members, your messaging to the members and, and getting members on board. What was that process mm-hmm. like for you? 
Yeah, that was that was, and actually, you know, you know, another thing that was going on at this time was we actually rebranded the organization at the same time. So there was a, it was a there was a lot going on at that time. Um, but our members, so our members are are these are construction contractors, small, medium, and large construction contractors. Uh, some of them are building massive projects in in the in the oil sands in Alberta and uh, the major hydro projects in BC, and then they're also building you know, smaller, smaller residential contractors in parts of um, rural Ontario and stuff. So a real mix. And, but what we, what we wanted to convey to them, and frankly, what they were telling us too, is that they wanted to have a greater sense that their money was being put, was being stewarded as effectively as possible. And um, because it are, we are not the cheapest organization out there. And, uh, you know, these companies, especially the smaller ones, are putting relatively large sums of money into our into our coffers. And they want to see that that investment is being well used. And um, that was that, you know, definitely for for our members, that was at the root of getting this operational performance management process down pat. It was just really making sure that when we set goals and set intentions, we were delivering on them and we were being accountable to ourselves and to our members. And that's, that's what we tried to deliver. That's fantastic. Well, you went through a lot at once, at least just like hearing it yeah. from, from this side of the microphone. It sounds like a lot to, to take on at one, but you know, I, I think what I heard here is one of the things that's like, because that's often a question when, when associations are trying to make a shift and move from one space to another and whatever that happens to look like, sometimes it can be mm -hmm. a struggle. And sometimes, like what you just said, like you were doing good, and sometimes good becomes good enough for an organization. And it, you have to like jolt those members into saying, you know what, yeah, we're doing good, but we can do better. We can do more. We can take it a different direction. But what I hear you saying is like the leadership was kind of wanting, feeling a need to head in a direction. And it sounds like your members, like you guys, there was some cohesiveness here, and you were both wanting to move forward in, in a more strategic direction. Yeah, we did. I mean, as I said, we had a, our, you know, Paul DeYoung, our national uh, president, had arrived uh, not long before then. And, you know, credit to him. He really wanted to, um, you know, put a put a, a fresh stamp on things and um, and, you know, take this organization to the next level. And and, you know, in some ways, yeah, it sounded like a lot to take on at once, but in a way it made perfect sense, too. You know, to just if you're gonna if you're gonna reinvent the organization, um, you know, Do it all. rip that bandaid off. You know, don't not death by a thousand pinpricks or whatever. You know, <laughs> just get it off. I love it. Well, let's share with us a little bit about the external. You've got you've piqued my interest here now. Sure. So the, the you know our vision for our organization and for our members and for the frankly the construction industry in Canada in general is that it would be you know, fair for all participants, regardless of the affiliation of their workers, whether they're non-union workers or building trades union workers or alternatively unionized workers, um, that it's, you know, that, that construction is done in a fiscally responsible and effective manner, especially public construction. And that we really ultimately, we, we build this, this country and its, its infrastructure together. And, and so we spend our time focused on uh, helping policymakers at all, at all levels of government 
develop good public policy that that's in the interests of uh, Canadian taxpayers when it comes to infrastructure construction and industrial construction. And then, you know, the flip side of that, of course, is we want to make sure that we're we're advocating for a level playing field for our members in that industry. And one of the areas that what that I was actually hired when I when I was asked to to start our organization in Eastern Canada, the number one issue was in Ontario at the time, there was probably, you know, getting close to about a billion dollars worth of public of municipal infrastructure market, like annual budgets for municipalities in, in the province of Ontario that were completely off limits to two thirds of the industry because of a loophole in our labor laws that allowed for these municipalities to be uh, to, to, to only uh, be able to tender to certain um, uh, to contractors and their workers with certain labor affiliations. Um, and that actually basically cut off two thirds to three quarters of the industry from bidding on those on the, that work. Um, I won't get into two, the technical details are, are pretty technical as you can imagine, but essentially, you know, we saw you where you would normally have 10 bidders on a, on a construction project, let's say to do a water and wastewater treatment plant, you would get two bidders because of this law. And so that was not only being blatantly unfair to the rest of the market, but it was also extremely costly. So, hmm. you know, in some cases, municipal projects like a water and wastewater treatment plant, the cost of that could inflate by as much as 80% in one case. There was a case in Hamilton where that was Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, where that, where that was the case. So this was a, this was an egregious offense, not only to our members, but also to taxpayers in general in the, in, in the province. So that was, that issue was a major catalyst for a number of the contractors in this region, in the Eastern Canada to get together and say, we need, we need to, pool our resources and start speaking up for ourselves and for taxpayers in this, in this region. And so, um, so I, I was hired to, to start the organization in, in that area on the, on the, on the back of that issue. And uh, we worked for 10 years lobbying different governments at all levels of, of the government structure in, in Canada, municipal, provincial, federal, um, you know, working with uh, folks in, in opposition, folks in government, in the media, wherever we could um, to get this issue on the public radar and then ultimately to get legislation passed. And I'm happy to say that this year, we finally got, after 10 years, we got that the legislation passed uh, to ensure fair and open construction tendering in all municipal um, and, and actually all municipal uh, construction across uh, the province of Ontario, which is uh, opening up. In the end, it opened up almost a billion dollars worth of 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 of, of uh, new market for our members, and certainly saves the taxpayer um, millions of dollars on construction in, in the province. Well, congratulations! I mean, that's just fantastic to start with. Congratulations on your success and the work that you did there. Uh, Talk to me a little bit about, especially coming from a communications background, we know that anything around public policy, for any of us that work in that space, and you know, my firm that I own does a lot of grassroots work where we 
work to influence how the public perceives policy prescriptions. Talk to me a little bit about the messaging and the work that you did in the messaging to make sure that something that might be a little bit blurry for people or hard to understand. How did you take like all the issues, everything surrounding this and make it concise um, that would help these elected officials understand what it is that you were trying to accomplish and why they should move in that direction? Well, the, be- the best uh, way to do that that we could um, find was really to make it um, make it real. So, you know, to to look at individual projects and show them, you know, so you'd go to a local, um, uh, you know, uh, member of provincial parliament here who's sort of like our equivalent of a state legislator. Um, and we go to their city that was affected um, by this issue, and we'd go to their, um, you know, neighborhood and look at the, you know, school that was try- that they were trying to build there, or the water, <clears throat> the water and wastewater treatment plant that they were trying to build there, or the hospital they were trying to build there, and we'd say, look, um, you're gonna you're gonna build this project. Um, and your 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 constituents are paying for it. Um, would it shock you to know that you're spending thirty percent more on that project than they just than the, the very same project they built in the city, you know, uh, less than an hour's drive away from here? Um, you know, and so we 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 make it real, make it real for these these folks and. And not only would we do that, but of course, then we'd go into the media. We'd find opportunities every time, you know, there was, we had the Pan Am Games uh, in Hamilton, Ontario, a few years ago. And this is one of the cities affected by this. And they built a big new, they did a big, big stadium project. And as soon as they announced that stadium project, I was on our, on the local radio in Hamilton saying, we're going to spend 30% more <laughs> on this, like, you know, get ready. You're going to spend $300 million more than you need to on this project. Um, and those kinds of things really make it real, make it, make it jump out for both the, the average voter and taxpayer, but also obviously for the politicians. Yeah, absolutely. So you hit two of my favorites there, like with a shocking quote, but also understanding loss aversion and what people are going to lose. And especially when it comes to losing mm-hmm. money, like that's a huge deal regardless if you're an elected official or if you're um, a constituent like that's none of us like to lose money so fantastic they were shot both of these are incredible successes congratulations to you and your association for the hard work that you're doing um, if people want to reach out to you and connect with you maybe talk with you a little bit more about some of these spaces how's the best way for them to find you well they can find me personally on on linkedin um and uh um, and I, and, but also through our, our web, our association's website at pcac.ca. Fantastic. And we'll include um, the LinkedIn profile and also the website in today's show notes. Sean, thank you for taking time out to talk with me today and to share your success, your victory here. Um, I appreciate it. I appreciate your time. Um, and thank you all for joining and being part of today's show. I'll see you next week as we discover another victory by association. You've been listening to Victory by Association with Jeff Tippett. If you've enjoyed, please subscribe, rate, and review. Be sure to check out the show notes for links relating to this episode. For information about becoming a sponsor or guest, 
please email podcast at jefftippett.com.